Howdy ho, universe! It is now 5.56 in the morning. The 5.55 sign-on was delayed by my awkwardness with the record phone, but I think I've fixed that awkwardness. At least let me see if I can put the phone in a place where it won't get messed with. How about right there? Um, this morning, I've been up for about an hour. Well, at least since... Well, no, I was up at 4.20, so... I've been up for a while, mostly listening to music, and getting my day started with uh, the natural energy of waking up without my alarm. And while I did fall asleep around 9.30 last night, um, getting up at 4.20 in the morning, 4.15 in the morning, let's hope this isn't a routine I'm starting for good, but once in a while I like getting up really early. Um, and I was thinking as I was falling asleep, if I'm cursed in this life, I know two ways that it might be the case. One, bank cards. I'm the worst with bank cards. I've lost my bank cards again. And, and it's inexplicable how I lose them. Just even, even the idea that they are separated from my wallet makes me panic because I know that I'll probably lose them because the only place that I don't lose them is in my wallet. Cause rarely do I misplace my whole wallet. So why aren't my bank cards always in my wallet? I think that is a good question for 2023 to be ending on so that I can roll into 2024 with a completely free year from losing bank cards. That is a goal. Believe it or not, I have to set that goal. So set that goal. I have, because my bank card performance in 2023, and frankly my whole life, has been abysmal. But 2023 was especially bad. And that was the second thing I started thinking about was, well, why do I keep calling 2023 the worst year of my life if I'm in the best shape of my life, I am playing the best tennis of my life, I think I'm smarter than I've ever been in my life, or at least I'm providing clear solutions with more ease and regularity than I ever have before in my life. Um, I'm more dialed in to what my destiny and future look like in my life and completely a skew on that same frame. So there's some 50-50 there. But still, I'm as dialed in as I could be. Um, You know, like... There are so many ways in which I'm platformed with superior strength compared to any other year I've ever finished that uh, the the problem is those are long-term goals coming to realization. And even the 50-50 platform on which I'm, I'm framed neither here nor there. um, I've earned the 50% of stability I stand on. The unknown is an unknown that's just never gone away. I've never gotten any insight on it whatsoever. So it has sat there ominously until now. So it's not like anything's changed. Again, you can't hold a year of status quo as something that's a setback. So the setbacks were all emotional. All of them. And they weren't setbacks emotionally like I lost. Well, I lost my animals. I lost Lily. I fell in and out of love 
Maybe. Maybe. The more I reflect upon that, the more I, I know I brought my dream life into my reality life. Maybe in a way that was intentional. However, a lot of question marks sit around that, but to call that tumultuous enough to be the worst year of my life? Well, when you add losing the dog, losing the cat, the hospital stay, Lily, um, hmm, there were some other bigger ones that I was falling asleep remembering. Um, there, well, I guess the job situation. Although, if ever I've played employment exactly right, it was this year. I'm going to finish with exactly how much money I need, which means I worked exactly the number of hours I needed to, to get through the year. And I took five months off of work, six by the end of the year, five and 25 days. So half a year off, which was, again, a hard way to argue that this was the worst year of my life when I spent half of it not working and just doing shit. So I, I may have to revisit. But the fact that I can't slam that door shut and say somewhere back there is a, wor a, a worse year than this. I had too many gains to call this the worst year. Uh, but I went through an, I went through I went through enough tumultuous internal realignment. But I did it with stability. Uh, all right, so you can see that oh, I'm perplexed. I'm perplexed as to how to call this anything but a terrible, terrible fucking year. Not to mention the scramble that now is on financially and in other ways for 2024, which I'm always prepared to make money. And in fact, if I have to make a lot of money, I'm prepared to do that. I just, uh, you know, I've always pursued other goals. So I will continue to do that until I'm forced into a position where I have to play the game differently. But so far, the game has always been really fair with me there. When I need money, it shows up for me. Um, all right. Let's see what we got here. So I was starting to think about what happens when there is one situation in the soul universe that's unique. And I don't understand why these occurrences go down, but all firstborn souls come out in a very um, nurtured environment, I guess. There's a, there's a birth zone in which that energy is released to the universe. And there are guides that bring that energy into the universe and help cultivate it from the time it appears. So, and it always, that your, your soul light is brilliant white. It always is. And there are one exception. There is one exception. Well, there are six sub-soul categories that occur when a soul ascends out of a material world into ethereal world, and it does so never to return. In other words, it's ascended to the... Uh, there is no higher level of ascension on which to exist. And 
as far as I know, about 2,400 of these occurrences have gone down. I'm not sure if that's the total number or just the number in this region. I don't know how this all works. But it's rare. It's of the rarest type of ascension. So rare that when it happens, it creates a six-subgroup soul of all of the uh, the soul components. There's red, yellow, green, blue, gold, silver are the colors of souls that occur when this ascension fulfills because the soul energy that now has left the material world has to leave behind uh, its material occurrences which transfer into these unique six soul groups. And these souls are unique entities. Just like a, a white light soul. They're just a blue light soul or a yellow light soul. And because there are, I don't know, 2,400 of them, or at least in this region, sometimes yellow souls end up manifesting similarly, can even find each other in the same soul group. Um, blue group can do this, you know, all of this can happen. It's just part of what makes um, awesome occurrences uh, part of what can happen in any reality, including here on Earth, especially here on Earth. Because one thing Earth is, is a place for souls like this to choose as destiny. Because they can use Earth's challenges with their strengths to become phenomenal influences. So, what's happened here though, and this is the rarest of rare because it has to be planned at literally the eternal level, is collective soul groups are gathering here. Like the same blue, green, yellow, red, silver, gold group are all here together. It's been planned this way. And I came out of my dreams this week, having been inside of the soul birth canal or whatever it is, the soul energy release. And you see the, the people who, and the people who have ascended to fulfill those, those roles to guide soul energy into the universe are, they are fulfillment acknowledged. They are transcendent beings themselves. I mean, the whole experience is awe-inspiring that this is somehow how the universe works at its fundamental level. It's to treat all energy of capability with the reverence that it's treated with until it gets to a place like Earth. But <clears throat> that point aside, that's another part of what I think has been gathering. And I think maybe what happened with the Mandela shift is I think souls of equal color came together. I have been on a mission to find certain other people and I feel like I have found two of them. And I felt there were four to find. Maybe there are five. But it's a strange fucking thing to be talking about. But when I come back from my dreams and it feels like it makes sense of why I'm being uh, directed or why I feel a compulsion in this reality to do something strange like find somebody in Canada, in Vancouver for fuck's sake. Not even in Vancouver, north of Vancouver. Somebody up there. And the one in Albuquerque, I think, has already been identified. 
And I thought one was down in Crested Butte, but it's not. Like, I knew it wasn't. So, call it what you will. Call it a temporary bout of true insanity. But my real life is undeniable in its fulfillment right now. I'm up at, well, it's now 5.59. Wait, what time is it? No, it's 5, 6.09. All right, what time is it? Damn, I can't tell time anymore. It's 6.08. I'm up at 6.08 in the morning, enthusiastic about a day, where what I'm going to do is go out there and try to be kind and find someone who needs understanding after I work out. So, that's kind of my plan. And that will turn into something, I promise you, that brings my day destiny. I didn't see as of right now. So, now where are we going to go? Somewhere a lot more fun than where we've been. Because now I want to talk about waking up to the song. Which one did I wake up to here? I woke up to Michelle Branch, All You Wanted. And I'll admit, I like that song. I like it a lot. Whoa! I don't know, though, that I consider that a guilty pleasure. But I put it on my list because it was the one that started the whole run through my collection of currently 296 songs on my phone to see how many of them are guilty pleasures. And I came up with 19. And I'll admit, there might be some on here that don't qualify. Like, it's hard to know if Modern English Melt With You is a guilty pleasure or just a good classic rock song. But since that's the only song of theirs that I remotely like, I consider it a guilty pleasure because I would never turn that song off. I even think I'll Stop the World and Melt With You are the perfect eight words to have written. I love that lyric. So, is that a guilty pleasure or just a song I fucking love? Same question with Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. I woke up, or I'm sorry, I grew up in the Breakfast Club era. My sister has seen the Breakfast Club more than any other movie, and I think it's like 300 to 12. So, Breakfast Club is a movie that certainly influenced my childhood and my teenage years. And in so doing, Don't You Forget About Me, the thematic song of the movie becomes a song that iconically is always on my phone because at some point in life, sometimes I want to hear Don't You Forget About Me. So to me, that's the very definition of a guilty pleasure because other people would hate that song, if nothing else, for its overexposure. Um, So what's not a guilty pleasure is something like, say, the Almond Brothers' Jessica, whereas that's a rather uh, remote instrumental musical song uh it's a great one and it's definitely a staple of classic rock and to me therefore has way too much musical credibility to be considered a guilty pleasure it's just a fucking pleasure it's like take five from dave brubeck some of the greatest songs of all time are just great songs so i didn't put those on the list um but then i have a song like Fat Boy Slim, Don't Let the Man Get You Down. And uh, I guess I consider Fat Boy Slim generally a guilty pleasure. So I almost had to pick one of their songs. But I've got six of their songs on my <laughs> phone. 
As a matter of fact, I think I have more fat boy slim than I have anybody else. I didn't realize this. But, I mean, I like most of their greatest hits album, period. It's hard. And so I picked Don't Let the Man Get You Down because I think it's one of their more derivative songs. Uh, I think that comes off an Arlo Guthrie song. I'm not, I don't even know. I don't want to pretend that I have some musical kind of credibility. But I never turn that song off. As a matter of fact, I'll sometimes seek out SSX uh, Tricky or Three. I think it was Three that has that song on it. That's where I found that song. So, I don't know. But then I didn't put the Caesars Jerk It Out, which is another one that's on SSX3. Because, it's just, it's not, I don't, I I don't listen through it every time. I skip that song frequently. But when I'm in the mood, I fucking go find it. I just, so... It, it it just didn't have enough pleasure in it to be a guilty pleasure because there are times when I'm like, click, click, don't want to hear it. And I think every single song that's on this list is something that if I click past it, it's because I just heard it two hours ago or whatever. Like I can be saturated on any of these, but if I haven't heard it in a while, not only will I likely listen to it all the way through, but I will turn it up and start dancing in most cases. So, in no particular order, I've already named a few, so I may rename them. Sorry for that. But we'll start with a band that I definitely know is obscure now. That's The Farm. And I have all together now on here and Groovy Train. They are equally guilty pleasures in my mind and deserve to be on here listed together because, frankly, I don't think they ever did anything worth a shit before or after this album, Spartacus. But on Spartacus are two great songs from the 80s in the obscure sort of uh, London uh, club scene. So there you go. They make my list. Which is why the next band, I don't know, are they British? They might be. Pussycat Dolls, I think, are American. But Don'tcha? Um, I would say Don'tcha is a song I play on Mushrooms as much or more than any other song. I go looking for that on Mushrooms almost every time. So, yeah, that's embarrassing. I know. But there you go. Some of us do embarrassing shit. Like, dance prolifically in my living room with moving furniture if necessary when Keisha or Kesha, who knows how to say her name, Take It Off comes on. And I'll admit the video here is a little bit in play because the slamming into each other and color uh, explosions in the uh, hollowed out swimming pool. There's just... There's just a dirtiness to Keisha that uh, appeals to me. And by that, I mean, in her music, she will uh, she will uh, wake up hungover and get out and party the next fucking night as hard as she does. So that reminds me of my youth enough that Take It Off makes my list, and it rarely would ever come off my phone. Nor would the next one. And I, I admit, this is maybe where I'm the whitest American of all in my musical taste, but I love Gangnam Style. Sigh. I just love it. I fucking love Hey Sexy Lady. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, I just fucking love that. That hook is too. <sighs> I mean, I could play that song right now. So, that is a song that I dance to a lot. Because every time I hear it, I pretty much listen to it and I pretty much go find a place to dance to it. Fucking love that song. Um, 
And I'll admit this one almost didn't make the list. As a matter of fact, the most likely one to leave the list is this song. Because I'm getting sick of it, finally. Finally! But I mean... and Okay, the Japanese two kids video where they're in their dorm room lip-syncing to this song gave it a, a new life that, frankly, put it into the stratosphere of top guilty pleasures of all time. And that's I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. Oh, boy. When you put this with Britney Spears on this list, it kind of reveals where my musical taste went sideways for a while. But I can't help it. When I Want It That Way comes on, I am going to go probably sing it, to be honest. There's not much dancing to that song anymore, but there, there's still, there's still, I still fucking love the lyric. But it's, it's, it's getting skipped more than uh, is justifiable to keep it on this list if it stays in that realm. Something else will have to become my 19th favorite song of the Guilty Pleasure variety. But here's one that I know will not leave the list, and maybe never. Maybe I will always love Stacy's Mom. <laughs> I just, I love, that song came out at the right time for me. I fucking love that song. <laughs> and uh, I unfortunately associate that with too many good times in my life to think it'll ever leave. So, Fountains of Wayne, I don't think you've made any other single song I've heard. But I love Stacy's Mom. Um, Alright, 50 Ways to Say Goodbye by Train. This one almost didn't make the list because Train, much like uh, Fatboy Slim, is somebody I have a shit ton of songs for. Like five. So, but 50 Ways to Say Goodbye is by far my favorite Train song. They are clever motherfuckers. That's a clever song. Um, it's not their best song. It's not even in their top five songs, probably. But it is my guilty pleasure. And if ever I'm going to purge my phone of Train, that's the one song that will stay. Um, and I hate to say it, but Kesha, Keisha, I don't even know how to say her name, makes the list twice, but this time it's with Pitbull because, oh, I love Timber. There is a song I dance to as much as or more than, uh, Gangnam Style. That song, I'm shocked how much I like that song. It has everything going against it, but I can't help it. Fucking love it. Fucking love it. In fact, yeah, I love it. Even the video. I mean, uh, I think I fell in love with... Well, I'll just leave it at that. I love that song. Um, I have mentioned Modern English, I'll Melt With You. That's, again, one of my favorite lyrics of all time, if not my favorite. But next on my list, and this has to be a guilty pleasure because I don't... Other than that weird song he did with Alan Thicke's kid... Pharrell Williams, Happy. Oh, I could play that song right now. I can play that song five times in a row and not get sick of it. That song might be CIA material to keep me happy. I love it that much. Which is why the next song on my list, and if ever there was a song that I would see people arguing, you can't put her on your list. You can't put that song on her list. Lily Allen, Fuck You. Um, okay, Lily Allen's I only know of two of her albums because I lost touch with the person who kept me in touch with cool music like Lily Allen. But her first two albums are phenomenal. I have both of them. And if she's got a third album, I'm sure it's phenomenal too. She's as clever a lyricist as there is on the planet. And Fuck You is her, in my opinion, 
greatest statement as a lyricist of all time. I would, I would aspire to be Lily Allen's uh, uh, pencil sharpener. I believe in her that much. Um, <clears throat> now, the next song, again, another movie song, I realize. I just love it. Nine to five, Dolly Parton. <laughs> I have had that on my phone probably my whole life. That song, I, there, there's a song I guarantee will always be on the list. I will always have Dolly Parton 9 to 5 on my phone. Always. There are just some days when I need to hear it, especially if I'm in currently a working condition. Okay, I said Michelle Branch all you wanted. I don't know shit about Michelle Branch. I just know that I have like even a dance routine to that song that uh, I'm ready to break out at the next uh, tryout for uh, for the uh, Glee Club. I don't even know where I would do this dance routine. Maybe uh, at the mall if I could talk, you know, five uh, hip hop kids into being cool with me. There's just nothing about this song that should resonate in my life, but it does. All you wanted is a song I would probably consider playing at my funeral. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, the next one is clearly a guilty pleasure. The one after that is even a guiltier pleasure. I've already talked about Fatboy Slim and Simple Minds. Don't let the man get you down and don't you forget about me. Um, which leaves me with the last one that might not be a guilty pleasure. And that's Morchiba. Rome Wasn't Built in a Day. Now, I don't know if Rome Wasn't Built in a Day was even a top 10 hit. I have no idea. I stumbled into that song through a different Morchiba album, just looking for more of their stuff. I really like their uh, trip-hop level of groove music. But Rome Wasn't Built in a Day is very unlike most of the rest of their music. It is by far their... uh, uh, can I come up with a comp in the American music scene? Um, More Than Words is very unlike the rest of, uh, of shit, I can't think of the name of the band now. Uh, I'll think of it if I don't try to think of it. Um, but that to me is what Rome Wasn't Built in a Day is for Marchiva. It's the song that stands out as the one they made to get top 40 radio play. So, Extreme, I think, is who did more than words. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, anyhow, so does Rome Wasn't Built in a Day count? It does for me because of my exposure to Morchiba and the way it happened. And the fact that I fucking love that song. Like, it easily is as, as sure a, a, a stay on this list as 9 to 5. Love that song. Love it. Like... Introduce people to that song. Love it that much. Um, So is that a guilty pleasure? I would say yes, it is. But other people might say, dude, how do you even put Morchiba on the list? Agreed. Maybe that's a fair criticism. But that's why I put them on the list, because of how I discovered that song. I did not discover it through any radio play whatsoever. I discovered it in just hunting around YouTube, finding songs I liked. So that leads me to the rest of these, which I all discovered on the radio, starting with Britain's great export, Say You'll Be There, Spice Girls. Oh, God, yeah, I fucking love the song. I love the vocal that the one woman carries. There's just, this is quintessential British pop music 
of the Ace of Base variety, I guess. I don't know where you put put Spice Girls, but I put them on my guilty pleasure list with Glee because I fucking love Say You'll Be There. Matter of fact, when I need to exercise and I know I'm fucking losing my steam, I'll find that song because I can get through almost whatever's next with that song. <clears throat> um, and I can definitely get through whatever's next with this song. And that's Britney Spears' Oops, I Did It Again. And it's not even that I like the song that much, but I, I, ooh, you shouldn't have. Oh my God, I fucking, that, I I will go to that part of the song and just play that part of the song over and over again. I went down and got it for you, baby. Ooh, you shouldn't have. I love that. Fucking love it. So yeah, Britney Spears' Oops, I Did It Again will never leave my list. And unfortunately, I really like Hit Me Baby One More Time almost as much. I, I hate to admit it, but both those songs are always on my phone. Which brings me to probably my... Well, again, some people may not say this is a guilty pleasure, but I don't really like Coldplay's music, but I love Viva La Vida. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. It's about ruling the world and shit. I mean, <laughs> that's probably why I love the song. But I don't... I didn't, I didn't put Tears for Fears on here. I have couple of their songs on and i hate everybody wants to rule the world that's a terrible song but head over heels or shout also very simple dumb songs kind of like no one is to blame by howard jones but uh even simple music can be music i love and didn't make my list because i consider them to have too much musical credibility to be guilty pleasures but coldplay i'm i'm sure they have some medical or some medical credibility I'm sure there's some musical credibility to Coldplay. They have probably 15 songs that I recognize, so that's one. But I don't really like their music. But I do love Viva La Vida. So, to me, that makes it a guilty pleasure. And then, that's, I guess, the reason that the last one's on here. And my greatest guilty pleasure of all time is Freedom 90, George Michael. And I think for two reasons. One, I love the video. And I'm not a video head, but that video with all the models was extremely well done. And two, it wasn't until I probably listened to the song for a decade that I realized it was George Michael's coming out song. And when I think about the fact that the album Pride and Prejudice, I mean, what took me so long to realize, A, George Michael was gay, and B that this was his coming out song. Like, and when I realized it, it was one of those things where I'm like, holy shit, have I never listened to this song? And, uh, and so that might be the very first instance of me having a song that I listened to a lot before I ever came to recognize what the song was about. And now it's happened a thousand times since to a whole host of songs. Nothing I think that's on this list, ironically. Um, Maybe that's what makes it a guilty pleasure. I never misunderstood it. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Um, uh, No, the the idea that song lyrics are now clearing themselves up. Hell, even even, uh, a song lyric in Crazy Train came to me in the song recently, and I thought, holy fuck, I've never heard that lyric correctly. Um, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I, I know that songs I've listened to my entire life that I've just kind of mumbled my way through some of the lyrical 
uh, mumbling itself are all of a sudden crystal clear to me, which is an odd phenomenon. But the true intent of a song, the underpinning of the entire theme of the lyrical presentation, George Michael's Sometimes the clothes do not make the man. All you have to do now is take these lies and make them true. Somehow. All you have to do is see I don't belong to you and you don't belong to me. Freedom. I won't let you down. I mean, if you're, if you're looking for somebody telling you they're leading a dual life and that the real them is the one worth knowing. Well, that's your song. And for so long, that would have been a message I was trying to send. Not that I was repressing my sexuality, but that I couldn't really admit what was going on with me. It was too much for the world to handle. I was either insane or overly creative overly imaginative, somehow completely turbulent inside, but able to lock that all down for the world on the outside. I uh, I relate to Freedom 90 to the point that I even like the remake, the one with the 8D sound from the movies. I, uh, I don't have a gay bone in my body. I've looked for them. They don't exist. Not that I have any problem with anyone's sexual choices in the world. Consenting adults do anything they want together. I fully believe that. And I find the idea that we would deny anybody love with another entity on this planet. I don't care if you want to marry a horse. Marry a horse. Do what you want to do. And I'm not trying to equate bestiality with the sexual choices of same-sex or alternative sex lifestyles among adults. That isn't an equatable uh, train to ride. But loving adults finding love is rare enough. So if it's happening between two consenting adults of the same or any other predilection, go for it. And do it with enthusiasm and share it with the world. The world will be better for it, no matter how it reacts initially. It will come to understand when true love exists, it's worth pursuing. So, uh, what else can I wake up with this morning? I didn't really dream last night. I had opportunities. I was up twice to pee at like three and four. And I even told myself at four, go back to bed and get some real sleep of the lucid dreaming variety. And then I slept for 15 minutes of cold sleep and bam, was wide awake. Reached over, hit VLC player random, and bam, Michelle Branch said, all you ever wanted was to get out of here and I can help you find your way. And I thought, oh, if only Michelle Branch were telling me the truth. But maybe if I meet her one day, That's what she'll do. She'll take me away from all this chaotic underpinning of what's coming next that the universe seems not want to answer. I feel like they're blocking me off in my dreams. I keep going to sleep with the same question. What does 2024 hold? What does 2024 hold? What does 2024 hold? 
And then as I fall asleep, I wake up having seen nothing, not even dreaming. So I don't think they want to answer that question, but I'm going to keep asking it. If ever they get weak, it's around the holidays. So I'll give it till Christmas. But if my mantra hasn't paid off by then, well, it'll be time to move on to new questions because I'll figure at that point, 2024 does not get to be told or foretold or even forecasted. And if that's the case, wow, what does all that diamond light mean? It's fascinating to ponder. But I got a whole day in front of me that I got to get shit done. Plus, the Broncos play the Lions tonight at 6.15 Mountain Standard Time. There's your NFL public announcement of the day. And this one, though not technically sponsored by isopropyl alcohol, I think should still mention that if you're not using isopropyl alcohol in your life, you're missing out. Go buy yourself a bottle. If you've never owned it, go buy yourself a bottle and then YouTube uses for 91% isopropyl alcohol. And then just start having the kind of day where you're like, wow, oh, wow, I didn't even know this stuff could do that.